Welcome to Parenting Vanessa Clones podcast. Today's topic, we're going to talk about behaviors. I know that this is a topic that I talk about a lot, but I seem to run into different families and doing consultations around, you know, listening and getting their child to listen or like their child shutting down when they ask them to come come here or when they're playing a game or they're finding that they're unstructured time and the child's just melting down because they don't even know what to do next. And, you know, one of the things that keeps coming up is that parents are reading different, different approaches, which I totally get. There's a million different approaches out there, but when you have a kid with that, with some, maybe some processing issues or sensory, and then there's also a behavioral component, you got a whole ball of wax going on. You have to kind of figure that one out. Um, and a lot of times parents in the middle of a meltdown, they're trying to like narrate what's going on. Well, I could tell so-and-so's upset because they took your toy and you're upset because of this. And then the child's like completely escalated and there's no, the processing is just not occurring because A, when a child is frustrated, there is no processing. <laughs> Everything just stops anyways, right? So, you know, I just want to talk about this again because I'm, I'm finding a lot of times that parents are, you know, I just had a client today and they're like, well, I heard that this is an approach that you're supposed to narrate and to help them self-regulate and you're supposed to do all these things. But if you're noticing that your child is escalating when you're talking, that might be a time to actually take a step back and give your child space. Or, you know, and then I also saw another thing where, uh, it was like a TikTok, actually a parenting TikTok when your child hits and they're hitting other children that you just remove everybody. And I gotta be honest, that's like, you know, that is one method, but there's also another method that maybe you tell the child, no, they're not going to hit. And you actually put your hand, like you grab their hands and tell them, no, I know that sometimes that can escalate something, but at the same time, a child needs to understand their, their boundaries. And I'm talking about the kids that are completely destroying a room. You know, to me, like, I don't think, you know, for me, when a child destroys a room, like they feel really bad afterwards. And so me stopping to prevent them from feeling bad to me is actually giving them an emotional security. They're actually, you know, I'm, that's my boundary for them that I'm going to help protect them from feeling bad. So then that other behavior doesn't keep coming because their, their self-esteem has dropped. You know, I totally understand like leaving the room. I mean, you could do that, but when you have a child that's escalated past a point where they can actually hurt themselves or others, I am going to go in and actually help them physically to calm that down. And usually, you know, they might not like it for a second, but I always will say when you're calm, I'll let you go. And I let them go. You know, I'm talking about like young ones here, right? Um, yeah, older ones, that's a little bit different. You know, I will give them space on there. But I feel like if you have a child that has like sensory issues going on, they have a hard time processing or these behavioral issues, you know, how do you work through it? And today, you know, uh, one of the families are like, well, we're always narrating, you know, okay, well, so-and-so is upset because of this. As we're in the middle of a meltdown and at that moment, I'm all stop talking. Like, no one processes anything anyways. When you're upset, people need space. You know, that's how you get be able to get them to calm down. And sometimes they need the space to think about what they just did. If you're trying to always talk to people and they're not ready for it, you know, you might get hit. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know why I was just thinking of a funny story about me getting hit when I was younger, thinking that that was the intervention to do and getting knocked. Um, but by a little kid, you know, which is, you know, it is what it is, but thinking about like, as we're looking at behavior modification and how do we, we're looking at changing the behavior and the family dynamics, it's really about, you know, who's in, who's in control in the situation when a child loses control. 
And that's the parents, right? So we're not going to be yelling and screaming at them. We're not going to sit there and, you know, process in the middle of a complete meltdown because, A, they're not ready yet. And I always say, you know, after a behavior occurs, we want to go back and repair the situation. And that is by doing it again. You have the repair, rewind, and and the redo. And you're reteaching. I'm not going to sit there and say, what would you have said? Oh, my gosh. People that say, like, what would you have said? I'm like, you think they would have said it if they knew? (laughs) Like, these are the things to think about. Like, everybody wants these kids to... You know, they're, A, they're, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, adults have a hard time with emotions. You think a kid's going to explain it or that they're going to come up with the language at that moment when there's impulsivity issues going on? No. You want to actually continue to help support the child by giving them the language, modeling what you want versus asking them to come up with the language when they already, you know, they're not doing it. I always think when a child wants to do well, they will. They'll feel good about themselves. And also when you're able to go back and do the role play, then the child is actually learning the skill set needed to be able to actually go back and practice, you know, you want to do them when they're calm. And that's the other thing too. When a child is calm, you can teach, but then in the moment they're like lost the skill, but keep teaching because eventually they'll get it. Right. And another thing is I'll talk to you when you're, when you're calm. I mean, also means that the parents are in control of the situation. It also shows that like the child, the parent isn't escalating to the point of like, you know, screaming at the child and then everybody's screaming and the whole, there is no point. And then you actually send out like, I'm going to take away X, Y, and Z, which doesn't even match like what was happening there. Like the consequence doesn't match the behavior. And those are the things to look at because I think it really comes down to how are we teaching children? You know, are we teaching children that's okay to destroy a room? Are we teaching children that, you know, when they're frustrated that they could take a break, they can come back and we're going to actually redo the whole thing again? I mean, those are the things you want to be able to be always teaching and thinking about how you're doing it, especially if you have kids. When, you know, if you have a child during unstructured activities, they're really struggling. Like, this could be a social skill issue. How are they navigating their environment socially? I mean, what is going on there to the point where they're actually doing things that they're following through with what they need to do, right? Or like, how do they how do they enter a group when children are playing? These are the things that are really hard for some kids and they will act out. And then you have another behavior happening and then you're just like, what just happened? So the behavior you're looking at that versus what's underneath happening, you know? And, and, and I always tell kids like parents, I go, yeah, your child's acting out because there's, there, there's something else going on underneath. So we have to figure figure out what's going on underneath to really get to the problem and the solution. You know, a child like today, it was even like light touch. And, and I also saw the parents, you know, parents want to like talk at a table. I'm like, bring your child in close to you. And like, if they're a kid that needs that touch or like hold them and talk to them, I always have my hand on a child's shoulder or something going on where if I'm teaching that something, I want to make sure that they're retaining that information, but also know that they're not in trouble because they might feel shame that they didn't know, like, well, can I play that? Those simple words can get you really go really far. And if you don't know what to say, like you could say, I don't know what to say, you know, things that you want to teach. Cause, but also you want to keep down to like maybe three or four things that you're going to be teaching with when it comes to language. Like, can I play with you? Is it my turn? I need space or I need a break, whatever you need. But these are the things you want to look at as, as you're teaching your child to be able to self-regulate, control their own behaviors and work through it. And again, if you have a six-year-old and they're in the middle of like, a, you know, in their mind, the whole world is collapsing around them and they can't figure out the words. I'm not going to sit there and say, Oh, I can see you're mad. Or I see you're really mad right now. And like, what are we going to do? And da, 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 da. Oh my gosh. No. (laughs) I mean, do you know how annoying that was right there? Just like me telling you this on this podcast, it's annoying. Like just stop talking. 
right? Like I'm all about actions, right? So leave the room, say it when you're calm, you're going to do it. But again, if they're saying they need space, you need to respect that. If your child's saying you need space, you need to leave and give them space. Those people that come in, or if you have that kid that's like following you around when you want to go, like, and you're like hiding in the bathroom. I mean, those are things when you're like, I need some space and maybe you count to five and then you go back, count to five and then you go back and you be with the child, right? But you want to start to increase that time away from your child by maybe it's five seconds to 10 seconds. That might be too too much anxiety. It might make the child feel very vulnerable, very scared. And it can be very traumatizing for a child when they're like following you around and you're like, no, I need space, but you'd have to break it down. And this is also the time where we might have to have like a code word with your partner saying, I need to switch. I need you to take the child because I need a moment because I need to take a break before I lose it. Right. And like, we all lose it. We all have that moment and that time where, you know, we're either sleep deprived. We have had too many things going on where we have, we're trying to do five things things at once. Like my dog's down the stairs right now and she can't come up. So I don't know why I left the door open as I'm doing a podcast. So my neighbors are just going to have to deal with that. So as my neighbor just texted me, um, but the thing is, as you're looking at the behavior piece of what's going with the child, you want to make sure that you're always teaching. You're always going to go back to, okay, this, here was this behavior, but what happened prior? And also look at the language you're using, right? I mean, are you saying, oh, wow, you must be really anxious and that really triggers you. And then next thing you know, that child's using that language against you. Right. So I understand like acknowledging and being narr- like narrating certain things, but you also want to take that next step and say, you know what? Yeah, I know this is really hard. Acknowledge it's hard, but what's the next step? The goal is not to sit in this whole um, way of like, I don't know what to do next and not sure and like very confused. Like we don't want a child staying there. And we also don't want a child to use an excuse to do things by saying, well, that triggers me. And I've done, I've seen this before where I've been at a school and like another kid hit another kid and the guy's like, well, he triggered me. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean he triggered you? Like you're responsible for your actions. Oh, see, now my dog comes up. She was just trying to train me to go downstairs. If you didn't hear her writing on, but those are the things you want to think about because if we're teaching a kid, you must be really anxious right now, or I could tell you're really anxious because of this, you know, then they're going to start using that and be like, you know, I'm too scared and, and doing things. I think sometimes it becomes an excuse where I had a child one time. Oh my God, this was last year who, who, who was having, he was just struggling, but I think it was more like he didn't want to do the work. And he goes, and he goes, you know, I'm only depressed. You know, my, my therapist said I, I suffer from depression. And listen, I get like saying, you know, I, I more come from the standpoint of like, okay, well, everyone's brain's different. How we process information is different, all of that. But I'm not going to sit there and say, well, you know, you have ADHD, so you can't sit down because next thing you know, they're in their head, they can't sit down versus like, we're going to try to sit down. Sometimes, you know, it's hard for you to sit down. So I'm not going to label, I'm not going to label, like, I'm not one to sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to label this kid as X, Y, and Z or whatever. That's just not my thing. I also don't read assessments. Assessments to me, you know. I want to teach the child, not what an assessment tells me. So I'm, I'm different in that piece. You know, I'm looking at the child's eyes and kind of figuring out, and I talk to the child, and then from there I could come up with the interventions. But, and I completely just went off topic what I was about to say next. So, oh, oh yeah, so my little guy, so he was like, you know, my he comes in, he's like, I'm suffering from depression. I can't do work, Vanessa. And like, I'm like, well, right now I'm like, we need to at least try. Right. He goes, you know, no, I'm like really depressed. Like, you know, my therapist was telling me how depressed I am and you know, that this can be, it can really hurt in school and everything else. And I'm like, 
really? He goes, yeah. And then he got really mad at me. I'm like, well, we're still going to do this. Like, I'm like, we're still going to do this. We can come up with strategies. You can take a break. You can breathe. And then he goes, you know, Vanessa, I am only depressed at here at school, not at home. And I go, well, great. That means you're not suffering from depression because depression isn't situational. It's all the time. So now that we know that you're not depressed and maybe your, your therapist got it wrong, I'm going to call her myself and let them know. Never got brought up again. Never used that as an excuse again and went right back to work. We never had this as an issue. So, you know, I know some people come from the thought pro- the thought process that we want to tell the child all these diagnoses that they have, and I totally understand that. Um, but if I find that children are using as excuse not to do things, that's where that where I have an issue, right? I have a lot of diff- lot of learning differences, and I struggle. And honestly, like I refused to get the diagnosis when I was younger. My mom always thought I should go get tested. I'm like, I'm not. Come to find out, 26, I got tested with other things, which I kind of wish I had the help and support with my dyslexia. And other things, but um, my mom always thought I was ADHD since I can't stay on track with anything, or I do folk, I do hyper focus on stuff. But you know, to me, I feel like my mom always wanted an excuse for me not to do it, and I feel like that's where my resiliency comes in, where I was always like, stop labeling me, like I just process things differently, and I don't want the label. And I did struggle. I mean, going taking a test, I would black out. If you're if you're a teacher calling, even till this day, if you're going to call, I had a a coding teacher come in and he was like asking all the kids questions and going in a circle. And I literally was like starting to sweat and black, like, Oh no, don't ask me a question. I'm like, great. I'm this kid's teacher too. Like, is he going to think I'm an idiot? Cause I can't answer it. Like, it's like, it's just this, this anxiety I put on myself and I've always had this like stress anxiety. So I, I'm really careful on not bringing on labels on the children and also making sure that the, the child knows that I see them for who they are and they might process things differently. Some people are more of like a, a visual learner. Some people are, you know, their listening skills are amazing. For me, you know, I'm a visual, so and I can memorize things if I see it. I don't forget things. But, you know, give me a couple other things on a paper, and I'm going to be like, what? And then on, you give me an ABC, you know, test. I'm going to always pick C. <laughs> it's just a pattern I have. But, you know, as – I don't even know where we're going off on this, but what I wanted to say really is that, you know, when you're working with children and you see a lot of kids with sensory and behavioral issues, kids are really smart. They know how to get out of things. And the other thing I was talking to the parents about, like, you know, I think they're very fortunate that that there are kids that are super explosive at times because at least they're expressing themselves. You know, when you have a child that's exploding all the time, you at least know where they stand and they can, you can start to communicate versus the people that are like go inward so much that you have no idea what they're thinking. And it's just so confused. It's harder because, you know, another thing is a child's imagination takes over. So they might have a little bit of anxiety about something, but you have no idea because they're playing out in their head like 10 times more. Right. So like, I'm always like, when you have a behavior, be, I mean, be a little grateful on that piece. Cause you don't have a kid that's internalizing everything. So you don't know where they stand. Um, I understand that behaviors are behaviors, but I like knowing where people stand. You're always going to know where I stand. Anybody knows me knows where I stand. And like, you can't, you're not gonna have to guess it. And, and I'm not really good at faking it too. But here's the topic of, you know, if you see a child that is using, you know, ex- labels as an excuse, you know, rewind that approach a little bit and look at, you know, yeah, that this is there, but you have ways to overcome things. You know, there are things that you can do to work through anything that you're processing or what's happening. But the next thing is understand that if a child is having a behavior, that there's probably something else going on and give the child space. You don't need to be talking nonstop in the, in the middle of like this huge meltdown, 
please. Like nobody wants that. And you'll find that maybe the first couple times are really, you know, a lot longer as you're giving them space and also prep the child beforehand. Say, would you want space? And most kids, when I ask them, do you want space when you're upset? They say yes when they're calm. Right. And so then that's when you can say, well, remember, this is what you wanted. And if you have a kid like destroying a room, you know, I do think it's okay to say, Hey, no, we're not going to do that. And maybe pick them up and remove them to a safer place. You know, these are the things that I think, you know, if your child is destroys everything and then they're going to feel bad about it, then they don't feel good. Right. And it's like, how are we protecting the child emotionally and physically? So it's a different approach. You know, everyone picks and choose what they want. Some people are like, Oh, I, I would never like physically remove a child from a situation. That's not my approach. I think that kids need to know, you know, there is a safety issue. There is a component that I'm there to keep you safe. And if I need to physically remove you because you're attacking another child, I will. (laughs) Um, That's me though. But, and yeah, and you can get my book, Shep and Parent. There's more strategies in there. Hope you like this. Bye.